0: Summa Up is next-gen body optimization from an actual doctor that's guaranteed to get you in the best shape of your life in 90 days. You'll be at peak levels for each of the fundamentals that drive your strength, energy, and even your longevity. It's a lifelong difference you'll see in the mirror, but also feel throughout your entire day. Summa Up puts more living in life for full details on this transformative program designed for the demanding lives of today's highest achieving entrepreneurs and ceos visit www.startsuma.com in general the following advice works well no gluten no dairy no nightshade vegetables we're going to kind of recap a topic that is of great interest to to many individuals, not as just how to deal with fatigue. Just, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how prevalent fatigue is, some of the things that I look for in terms of, you know, symptoms. And then really the key things will be testing therapies, primarily your diet and lifestyle, as well as supplement and medication therapies. That's how I basically try to improve in and, and basically uh, get to the point where you're energetic throughout the day. Okay. So, you know, if you are fatigued, one thing to recognize is this, you are in, you're not um, alone. Pictorial of a recent study so this study right here, it used data from about 101 patients that were enrolled in a large commercial insurance carrier. And these were all the claims made for either myologic encephalomyelitis or chronic fatigue syndrome. Both of these are the same diagnosis. And what they saw was that it is really, really powerful. At any time, about one to 2% of the population is suffering from extreme fatigue, which is pretty significant. And as you can see over here, it affects females more than males in general but it also has a trend. You see this like a uh, trend that seems to grow upwards with uh, females once they hit about their 40s and kind of levels off and stays pretty stable. It's the same somewhat for guys but to a lesser degree, but then you notice there's a peak right around the late 60s or so. So there's a peak around uh, 40 and then it kind of levels off Then another peak around 60s. And so it's just, you know, one the key thing to recognize is that it's definitely something that a lot, a lot, a lot of people deal with. When we think about fatigue, we uh, there are many many things that can occur. It's some of the most common causes that we like to think about in functional medicine are due to food sensitivities, which is why diet is so important. And the main things that I always try to hammer out to patients are the following gluten, dairy, staying away from nitrates, food colorings. These things can all cause allergies, which can manifest as fatigue, inflammation. And, you know, I'm always really key about getting patients CRP down, which, you know, in many cases is secondary to their diet, but high levels of inflammation can contribute to some of these cytokines, which in turn can cause a uh, overextension of the immune system, which can manifest as fatigue, mitochondria, dysfunction and you know, we always talk about NAD, L-carnitine, things that can optimize your mitochondria are going to improve your body's response to fatigue. So that's why optimizing vitamins and utilizing certain minerals are going to be a big deal. And something as simple as just low blood pressure can cause fatigue. And one thing I've noticed, I noticed this a lot with um, patients who are ultra healthy that are, you're following a, a really strict diet. They won't have enough salt in their diet. When you're eating things that are not processed, right? They don't tend to have they don't tend to include a lot of salt. So salting your food can can be a big deal. The other thing that is important is you need to rule out any sort of other conditions before you start thinking about lab values. So and this is not so much a concern for the vast majority of my um, my patients because, you know, typically we, we find out about these, but there's a ton of conditions that can also contribute to fatigue, Cushing syndrome, diabetes, lupus, iron overload, HIV, multiple sclerosis, narcolepsy, all of these things by themselves can contribute. And what I found though, is generally though, doing the interventions that I recommend, which as we talked about consistent lab testing, diet and exercise uh, optimization and optimization of Supplements as well as medications seem to improve them regardless of the cause. So that's kind of interesting. And then the other thing that is important is there is a diagnosis set for chronic fatigue syndrome. It's a little bit on the vague side, but it is important to kind of recognize these symptoms because, you know, some of us... You may not think we have fatigue, but when you look at it uh, on its on its head, you, you might, right? And so if you have any of these things, so unrefreshing sleep, impaired memory or concentration, sore throat, tender lymph nodes, aching or stiff muscles, multi-joint pain, if you have it for about six months or so, you got to go ahead and take a look. Now, I would highly encourage you guys, if you have, don't wait the six months, if you have these symptoms, reach out to me uh, and we'll go ahead and do a few things to improve. The first thing I like to do, you know, after I've done, you know, medical history is actually do tests, right? So why don't we take a look at somebody's tests and you might recognize who this individual is. It's me, right? And so what do I look at when I look at people's lab values? Well, this is the same exact panel that I give to my patients. And uh, just to point out, you know, I'm a cook that eats uh, my own cooking. I get these periodically, just like I do with my patients. So what are we looking for? Well, on the basic metabolic panel, there are going to be some electrolyte deficiencies that could lead to fatigue. What are some of them? Low sodium, right? As I talked about, you know, looking at these electrolytes, ensuring these are all within ranges, particularly sodium is really key. If you are not eating appropriately, your glucose levels may be up. So you want to make sure that we correct them. We typically do that by utilizing metformin or by reducing carbohydrate loads. If you're dehydrated, you're going to look at your B1 to creatinine ratio and that's going to be a little bit high. Remember, it's really important to stay hydrated. Great way to tell if you're well hydrated is to make sure that your urine is clear, right? When you're going to the bathroom, if you, and, or just, uh, you know, light yellow, if it's concentrated, very yellow, you're, you're too, you're too dry. And then, you know, I Makes typically sense. look at B12 and vitamin D. There are other vitamin uh, markers we can look at, but these seem to be the key things. You want to make sure these are superlative. For me, I like to see them about 1,500 or so for vitamin D, anywhere between 60 to 80. I fully admit I might've been slacking a little bit on my vitamin D. I definitely got back on track and my latest values show that they were closer to about 80.
1: You see that a lot though, vitamin D deficiency, because we're all work from home and, yeah. and, and yeah. so forth. Um, exactly. And so does that cause like, a, I guess, low energy just by itself or
0: well so we think it's really secondary to its immunomodulatory effects and also you know another electrolytes very important for fatigue is optimizing your calcium levels it's important for muscle contraction and vitamin D is very important for absorption of calcium and it's really hard to get them up naturally you need to be out in sunlight for several hours a day most of us don't have that opportunity and the reality is you need to not only do you need to be out in the sunlight but you need to be on the sunlight with a lot of your skin exposed and not of us, not most of us can be out, you know, for six to eight hours in swimming trunks, you know, outside. Yeah, it's, it's not going to work. That's to be work. appropriate. The other aspect is to think about your hormonal levels. Now, for me, it's primarily thyroid, testosterone, estrogen, DHEA. And then for women, of course, progesterone. And uh, if those levels are pretty optimized, that's uh, a good check. And remember, I like to keep test levels at nine to 1100, a little bit higher sometimes for certain individuals. More importantly, their free test levels closer to 20 to 30, as long as you can get that to where you need to be perfect. Now that's of course, for men, for women, I typically try to look at their total testosterone levels, keep them between 50 to 100 nanograms or deciliter. And as long as they're within that range, they do pretty well for estrogen, for guys. This is, I tend to be a little more, a little more reticent about prescribing anastrozole because I've noticed, you know, if you crush estrogen levels, that can really cause fatigue. So, I, so. I let, I'm i okay to let it trend up a little bit, maybe 50 or sometimes even 60, if they don't have any symptoms, I am more concerned if it gets very, very low. And I've sometimes seen that with, you know, individuals taking anastrozole, they're worried about, you know, nipple sensitivity, but they never ever experienced it. And uh, you know, they suddenly sometimes feel a lot more lethargic, get some joint pain, and and uh stopping the nasty can help. And you'll see that on your labs, your estrogen levels are too low. So anyway, just kind of going through the rest of these labs, you know, looking at your lipid panel is important. If you have a poor diet, if you're eating too many foods that are high in saturated fats, if you're not, if you're not avoiding gluten, this may likely return uh turn into fatigue. So This is a super quick way to check. The the numbers don't lie. If your triglycerides are up, if your LDL, A11 protein's up, yeah, we
1: gotta gotta turn it around. We're talking about the micronutrient tests we're R&Ding, we're researching. Yeah, that's true. Testing out that. And is that gonna help, I guess, with regard to testing out clients like food insensitivities? Because some people can't digest certain proteins and then they can't absorb it as well. So I think that adds more granularity to if they actually do have certain, right? The micronutrient.
0: Absolutely. I tend to kind of paint with a broad brush when it comes to diet because I, I just used like the, the 2080 rule, I'll try to pick the 20% of the foods that are going to lead to the 80% results in terms of decreased fatigue, decreased inflammation, right, yeah. decreased risk of chronic illnesses. But the reality is we can certainly get more granular. And I'm kind of excited to roll those out in the, the next upcoming weeks. So, you know, maybe we'll do a little bit better with egg white protein versus whey protein, or maybe, you know, sweet potatoes aren't as good as for you or aren't, don't, you don't to tolerate them as well as rice. Right. So yeah, that, those are things that we that seem kind of interesting the other things that uh, outside of hormones you also kind of want to look at your iron levels you want to look and why is that well Low iron levels can be associated with fatigue, but so can high iron levels, right? And that is something that I sometimes uh, dealt with. I don't tend to eat a lot of heme-containing foods. I don't eat a lot of red meat. And so I have to kind of watch my iron levels carefully and sometimes supplement with them periodically. Is
1: it too low and too too bad, right?
0: Yeah, you kind of got to be within a a decent range. If you get below, I would say about 30 or so for guys, uh, I would definitely start supplementing and you don't want it to be too high, if you get above 100, there's a process called ferroptosis in which high iron levels can lead to increased inflammation and cell death, which obviously can lead to fatigue, right? Right So you don't want them too high either. And then the other the other labs are more or less related to your diet. So obviously, if, if your hemoglobin A1C is high, you're not eating a, a decent diet. Your insulin sensitivity isn't good. And that can certainly lead to fatigue. If your homocysteine levels are, are high, you're not methylating appropriately. Diet what is the methylation like-
1: process again, Dr. Ren? The yeah, DNA, so- like the conversion mm-hmm. or...
0: So, well, the way I define it is it's our body's way of removing substances that are inherently yeah. toxic to us. And by adding a methyl group to many different compounds, we're able to excrete them in our in our common bile duct and to into our waste. And if you're not doing a great job, if you're not methylating things appropriately, uh, you'll tend to accumulate homocysteine, which is kind of the canary the in the coal mine. Oh,
1: exactly. I see. So as you age, like kind of like you're body's methylation kind of slows
0: down. Right. And it gives us like, it gives us an idea of methylation as a whole too, not just in the liver. Right. And so methylation as you, as you alluded to is important for many aspects and including DNA repair. Right. And that's why a lot, uh, there's a lot of research being done on poor methylation and uh, activation of certain genes, oncogenes, which are associated with, with cancer. And so that's you know something you wanna, you want to definitely uh, optimize as well. And between six to eight is where I like to keep it. And then finally, the last thing I like to look at is uh, magnesium levels. Having appropriate magnesium levels are really are key for sleep, right? If they're too low, oftentimes we'll see patients complain of things like restless leg syndrome or just difficulty getting to sleep. And obviously if you're not sleeping appropriately, that's gonna contribute to fatigue, you know, because you're not, you know, getting an appropriate amount of deep sleep.
1: Well, Dr. Ryan, I mean, I have to pause on a second. So this is one of my clients with, uh, the client just came in today. He he was talking about how he uses NyQuil. Uh, right. <laughs> like what is your view on that? Like that's how he sleeps, right? He got off. Well, so you know so and he drinks like two what? shots of Nyquil. Yeah. He, and I, uh, I didn't have well, an answer for that. I I and I've heard yeah. of that. I've heard of like NyQuil and then they do some called ZZQuil, But is that the so the biggest thing long term? Uh, a lot of artificial because no, st- you're you're using, of, uh, you
0: NyQuil, know, you're using a lot of you you're using of antihistamines things. typically. In yeah. long term, yeah, it will decrease the onset of sleep. Right, you'll basically get to sleep quicker, but the quality of your sleep, much like with alcohol or much like with marijuana in certain cases, the the onset is uh, is quicker, so you'll get to sleep quicker. But the quality of your sleep, the amount of deep sleep that you get, the amount of uh, stage four sleep, of REM sleep that you get is typically reduced. So, you know, labs are really key. And one thing I will, you know, encourage patients to do is Reach out to us. You, you get scheduled labs uh, every uh, four, four to five months or so. But if there is an issue, if there is a problem, reach out to us because we want to make sure that you guys are doing great and we'll do a set of labs in between to help diagnose issues. You know, we kind of talked about the, the diagnosis, the testing. What about interventions to actually improve uh, fatigue? And as I, as I kind of alluded to, a lot of them will be uh, centered around uh, your lab values and your symptoms, right? First of all, just start with your diet. As you mentioned, JD, we're going to have a more granular approach with some of the more specific testing that will be coming out in the next coming weeks. But in general, the following advice works well. No gluten, no dairy, no nightshade vegetables. Try to avoid saturated fats. And why do we do? And why do we do this? Because we found that uh, saturated fats, in particular fats from animals, tend to be correlated with higher levels of inflammation and then when you're utilizing fats try to avoid ones that are high in omega-6 fatty acids and these would be things like refined seed oils like canola oil or saffron oil or corn oil instead use things that are higher in omega-3 fatty acids so like fish oil or um, my favorite which is uh, organic flaxseed oil or you can potentially use macadamia oil or just use the nuts themselves organic almonds, organic, uh, walnuts, organic, um, macadamia nuts, other things. These are kind of more obvious, like lifestyle interventions, like trying to limit alcohol usage or smoking. If you're smoking, just, you know, try to, it's, it's something that (laughs) it's widely been widely known is not good. Uh, long-term in terms of many chronic illnesses, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, many, many things, cancer, obviously. So trying to quit is a is a key thing. And then other things that may not be quite as obvious. So like limiting your exposure to certain environmental toxins. So uh, a lot of us aren't aware of this, but if you have plumbing leaks, you might be exposed to mercury or lead in your water. So getting a good filtering system Uh, I've installed a a central filtering system in my house just to be on the safe side and actually have extra filters in all of my faucets, particularly the ones I try to drink water from, just to ensure that I limit my exposure to heavy metals and I encourage everyone to to do that if you can. And then, you know, be really careful about uh, moldy surfaces right you know shag carpeting is nice to walk on but if you spill stuff on it it gets into the under surface and that stuff can get moldy so just just be really careful of that maybe just do a deep clean every so often don't try to paint over moldy surfaces i know it's probably the easy thing to do but clean it up, dry the surfaces. And then if you are using an humidifier, which a lot of us sometimes will have to use, particularly as it gets colder and it gets really dry, don't try to go much higher than 46%, because if you go to uh, higher than uh, 60% humidity, you really run the risk of uh, mold production. And which that kind of also leads into ventilation. So just getting like filters for your house can be, uh, which can help with reducing dust or, or solvents that you might be allergic to, that would be a great idea. I have a—I have an air purifier in my office and that office, seems to yeah. help me quite a bit. Yeah, man. And then just kind of round out everything. So those are some of the interventions you can do in terms of your diet, as well as your lifestyle. But what about the actual therapies? Well, they're gonna really be directed around your labs. So just generally supplements, honestly, just a really simple answer would be the Vitapack. The Vitapak has a B complex vitamin in it, magnesium, vitamin D. The uh, multivitamin has many of the other antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin E, you have fish oil. There, I I made it on purpose, kind of as a as a cure all for many of our many of the deficiencies I see in patients. So just taking it by itself is likely to improve a lot of the most common causes of fatigue. So just get on it, or at least at the very least focus on getting a good multivitamin vitamin B complex, vitamin D, and vitamin K. If you can get at least those four guys, you're, you're doing really good. For mitochondrial health, we all know about NAD, but what about L-quarantine and coenzyme Q10? I'm a huge fan of L-quarantine, especially the injectable form. Also mm-hmm. for aesthetic reasons, right? Cause it really helps with fat loss. And then, of course, hormonal optimization, and you know, this is something that's kind of at the forefront for the clinic. But making sure your thyroid levels, your DHA levels, progesterone, estrogen, pregnenolone are all optimized, and they will be, you know, because we'll check in, we'll we'll look at them.